Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Katie. Katie has been on the podcast now. This is her third time. Uh, She is our resident epidemiologist (laughs) here to talk to us about that lovely thing that uh, we're all getting used to having around, and, and that's COVID. So, Katie, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So thanks again for having me on. Um, this is this is great. It's my third time on, like you said, and I'm very flattered. So thanks for having me. Um, my name is Katie Shuleta. I'm an epidemiologist. I live and work and play in Colorado, and I work on Medicaid in Colorado. And so you have you're having me on so we can discuss uh, COVID updates and <laughs> what's going on in the world because there's a lot happening right now. Yes, and you have a COVID group on Facebook that you share all sorts kind of news articles and everything. And, and sometimes you upset people, but (laughs) they don't want to hear the the facts of the matter. It does happen. And it tends to be a very typical type of interaction is usually people that don't want to hear about how vaccines are actually very good. So speaking of vaccines, let's talk about that, Katie, (laughs) because we recently got news that there is not just one, but two potential vaccines uh, that could be approved by the FDA. People are concerned. They say, oh, it's happened so quickly. Why did it happen so quickly? How can I trust it if it happened so quickly? So tell us a little bit about why this vaccine is different and how it was made so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's actually three that are um, very, Ooh, very close. Three. AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca, which is out of um, the UK in Oxford, is uh, also very close to approval as well. So right now in the United States, what most people have probably heard of are two vaccines, one by Moderna um, and one by Pfizer and BioNTech, I believe is how you pronounce the German company's name, because Pfizer and BioNTech uh, had a partnership together. Um, and they I believe Pfizer has now uh, submitted to the FDA for emergency use authorization. And what's happening right now is the FDA is basically independently trying to replicate what Pfizer found uh, for their efficacy numbers and their safety numbers for adverse events and that kind of stuff. Um, What's This is really, really exciting because the stuff that um, Pfizer had been reporting and also Moderna Uh, and even AstraZeneca as well, they're all reporting really good looking numbers as far as how effective the vaccines are at preventing illness in people. Um, And not only preventing illness, but also um, for people, because no vaccine is 100% effective, but for people who do get sick, who have had the vaccine, preventing severe illness. Um, And it's uh, all of the numbers are looking really, really good right now. I really hope that they stay that way. Um, and like, they're looking so good that I've been, I've written in the Facebook group about this. Um, and also I've been publishing some stuff through work. And, um, one of the things that I wrote recently is comparing what the effective, uh, the effectiveness rates for these vaccines and what that looks like compared to typical childhood vaccines that everybody gets. Um, and right now, uh, all the vaccines that we've got that are 
potentially going to be uh, authorized and, you know, rolled out into the public are all in like roughly the mid 90s for their effectiveness. And um, I believe it's like the DTaP for, so the DTaP vaccine, which is the uh, vaccine that you get that uh, prevents pertussis, which is whooping cough and um, uh, tetanus. And it's more effective. Uh, these two vaccines, these two specific ones that I was talking about earlier, uh, they're more effective at preventing COVID-19 than the DTaP vaccine is at preventing DTaP, uh, uh, the covered illnesses underneath the DTaP vaccine. So that's that's really good. Um, same thing for MMR. So the MMR is measles, mumps, and rubella. And um, if these COVID-19 vaccine numbers hold up, they will the these vaccines will be more effective at preventing COVID-19 than the MMR vaccine is at preventing <laughs> measles, for example. Right. Um, and so that's really, really exciting. <laughs> that's really good. Um, we were kind of hoping that like maybe we could get somewhere around 50% and then like it's it's useful then. 70% would be good. 90% is great. So let's hope that these numbers hold. I really, really hope that they do. Um, but you brought up something, Operation Warp Speed. It's been a big talking point and I've been getting a lot of questions about it in the book group. Um, in general, I think the thing to know about Operation Warp Speed is that the only part of it that has actually been um, speeded up is the manufacture of the, the manufacturing of the vaccine itself. Um, the, it usually takes years for a vaccine to be in development and go through trials, but there, there are a lot of different reasons for that. Um, for right now, the phase three trials basically always unfold this way. They just usually don't unfold in front of the world. <laughs> Why? Um, and, uh, but I mean, for the most part, you know, vaccine trials are like you have phase one, which is dozen people, a couple dozen people, maybe. Phase two, it's like 100 people, maybe, um, maybe a couple hundred people. Um, and then phase three, you end up rolling it out to thousands of people. And the idea is um, after this, so both of these vaccines are both two doses and they're, rough, they're roughly um, separated by about a month. And so uh, what Pfizer and Moderna have been collecting data on is after everybody, all of the participants have gotten their second dose, then they want to follow everybody for two months to see how many people get sick uh, and if there are any adverse uh, events. And so that's what uh, most of the data collection has been going on about for the last couple of months. And now that uh, Pfizer, at the very least, has submitted for emergency use authorization, their numbers are looking really good in the two-month follow-up. Uh, and so the FDA is now just going to try to replicate their numbers. Uh, and if they can, they'll probably issue the uh, emergency use authorization for it. Now, one thing I will say is, no, we don't have long-term data on this. Um, so we can't say this is <laughs> how long it lasts for, for example. Right. So a lot of people are wondering, you know, if I get vaccinated, how long am I going to be immune or how long are the effects of the vaccine good for? And the simple answer is like, we don't know and we won't know for a while because well, we still we really, don't even. We really yeah. don't know about other vaccines either, right? So like um, other I vac mean, we, 
that do kind of like time out. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, that is, that is true. Um, that's why you have to get boosters, for example. So a lot of times you'll have to get like an MMR uh, booster or a DTAP booster. So, I mean, there's precedent for that. We know, we know that there are certain uh, vaccines that like you just need a booster every once in a while. Um, and I mean, an easy way to figure that out too, is like, go to your doctor and get, uh, get your titers drawn just to mm-hmm. see like where your immunity levels are at. Um, but in general, like, no, we don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, but also we don't know how long immunity lasts for people right now anyway. Right. Um, so after somebody has been infected, we don't know how long they are immune from being reinfected. And in fact, we do know that some people are being reinfected very, mm-hmm. very quickly after having, uh, already acquired the primary infection of it. And so we just don't know. So we're all kind of living in this big experiment right now, which doesn't <laughs> feel great. But honestly, I feel a lot better now that we've got some very promising vaccine contenders. Um, and not only that, but I mean, like, these are, you know, the two to three that basically everybody in the world are watching right now, but there are even more in development. Right. There are, I think, something like 17 different vaccines that are currently in development. So I mean, we're only going to start, we're only going to see more of this happen as far as like more vaccines are going to come out. Um, and we're going to see more and more data on it, which is good. They're all kind of, not all, but the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are really exciting from my perspective because they're mRNA vaccines. That's what that's I was going to ask you about. Yeah. That's the first time that we've ever had that happen. Science is so cool. Tell people <laughs> what that means because they okay. may not understand. <laughs> yes. So most vaccines, uh, so mRNA stands for messenger RNA. So RNA is kind of like DNA, um, but it stands for ribonucleic acid. <laughs> um, and the way that these vaccines work is a little bit different than your typical kind of vaccine. So usually what people will hear about with vaccines is you'll have a virus that's been kind of quote unquote killed off. Um, mm-hmm. And so your body kind of responds to the deactivated virus. Um, in this case, there is genetic material of the virus and the way that it works is that it promotes your body to uh it, to develop these proteins that end up being kind of your first line of defense and most uh vaccines deliver the proteins to you and then your body's like oh those things okay maybe we can replicate those and then your body kind of gets immunity that way this way um this mrna these mrna uh vaccines are promoting your body to it's basically like giving you the blueprints of how to make those proteins immediately. Um, and it's, it's a very, very cool, <laughs> it's a very, very cool new accomplishment in uh, technology in general, but vaccines in particular, and I'm excited to see what happens with it in general. Um, Moderna is actually a startup company. This is like their first product ever. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> and they've been around for about 10 years. Um, and they, the entire time that they've been in existence, they've been researching M- mRNA vaccines. And so this is, this is their first one. And so one of the things that people have been kind of wondering about is, you know, why would we, why would we get put any stock in a company that is not <laughs> tried and true and that we don't, you know, know anything, we don't know much about because they don't have anything on the market. Um, but they were one of the only companies that were actually working on the mRNA technology stuff. And so they happen to be uniquely positioned 
uh, to try to pull this off. And so far it looks like they did. Um, we'll see Like, we'll see, but I'm really optimistic at this point, which I am never really optimistic <laughs> about anything. So, um, it's like I said, it's really exciting and it's really good too. Cause I think it also allows people to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we're not through this and we're not going to be through it next week or next month. Right. Um, but there's absolutely a light at the end of the tunnel, especially because the more vaccines that are kind of approved um, and deemed safe and rolled out, uh, what Operation Warp Speed has done, like I mentioned, is they've basically just started um, pumping out vaccine much, much earlier. So usually in the typical course of a vaccine development, you wouldn't have a uh, manufacture of a vaccine happen until well after uh, phase three. <laughs> um, and like I said, it usually takes years to get there anyway. But in this case, um, there have been kind of some gambles, if you will, on like, hey, we think maybe this might work. And if it does, you know what? It's going to pay off because we're going to have more people vaccinated sooner. Um, and so that's what Operation Warp Speed did. It didn't, it didn't like cut down on what the trials actually looked like or anything like that. It just helped us to manufacture a lot faster. So now we're at the point where millions of doses uh, could be out and like the first dose of that two dose sequence could be administered to millions of people by the end of the year. And it is December 2nd as we are talking. So that's, that's insane. Like there could be a lot of movement on this in the next four weeks, the next four to eight weeks are gonna be really interesting to see. I'm really looking forward to it being widely available to the public because I'm going to be one of the first people like, please shoot me up in my arm. I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> but the unfortunate thing is we have like 50% of the population in the United States. It's like, no, I'm not going to get the vaccine. Is it that high? I really hope. I don't think it's that high. I really hope it's not. But <laughs> Well, that was a, a the last time I saw a poll on it, it was like, a month or so ago. So maybe mm. it's changed since then, but it was definitely 50%. That was like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the first things that I started talking about in my Facebook group that I accidentally created for this, um, one of the very first things I started talking about was just like vaccine hesitancy and why, you know, being on the side of anti-vax is not great for, community health and just in general why it's bad for societies um, because I knew that this day would come probably and <laughs> and also not only that but like one of the last things that you want in the middle of a pandemic is another pandemic that starts up say like I don't know flu season right. um, and so one of the things that epidemiologists and people in public health have been talking a lot about is just you know there's been such a disruption to society during this year especially in healthcare. And so you have a lot of kids, for example, that haven't gone in for their well child checks and for their, um, for just like school checkups and stuff where they would get their vaccine. So we've got a lot of kids that are lagging behind on their vaccine schedules. And that's very concerning because the last thing that you want, like I mentioned, is dual pandemics running around um, or even possibly more. And in places that we already had problems with getting enough people vaccinated so that we could stop mm -hmm. an outbreak. Um, we now are kind of really concerned about what those places will look like now since, you know, there's been, there's been a pretty sizable disruption for a lot of people. Um, and so the anti-vax rhetoric 
was always going to be a problem. Um, and it kind of, you know, laid the groundwork for what we're seeing. And then I think the other unfortunate thing that's happened is there's been a lot of politicization of the virus, the pandemic, and of the vaccine itself. Yeah. And so I think that those two things have really done a lot of damage to what we could potentially accomplish and people's faith in the system and science and the guardrails that we have in place. And if, you know, the system and has been respected, I, I suppose. And um, that's, that's really bad. That's really unfortunate. And there's been a lot of erosion of trust and that's something that we're going to have to really work through to get past it. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that once we start administering vaccine to people, because the, the first people that are going to get it are going to be, you know, healthcare workers, basically, yeah. first, first responders, healthcare, work, healthcare workers. Once we start seeing how people are responding to the vaccine and how they're able to literally take care of people who are severely ill with COVID-19 and not become ill themselves, I'm hoping that that'll be pretty persuasive to some people, <laughs> I'm hoping. Um, and then not only that, but like just the idea of, hey, remember what life was like before this pandemic took over. Yes, that's why I want mine. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I remember what it was like. It was great by comparison. So I think like hopefully that'll help people to at, at the very least uh, have an open mind about it and to ask questions. And like I, I'm a big proponent of asking questions, especially like if you're going to ask questions in good faith, I love questions and I want, I want you to ask all the questions that you have. Um, I mean, there's always, there is such a thing as like not asking questions in good faith. If you have an agenda because you've already made up your mind, that's not asking questions in good faith. Right. But in general, like if you're actually curious because you don't know, always ask the question. Always, always, always. I think that that's way better than just kind of not asking the question, but making up your mind yourself um, without the information or whatever it is. So in general, I'm a big proponent of people asking questions and seeing if we can't help to sway some people back to the side of like, hey, science has been really, really cool this year and really fast. And like, this is, we've literally never had a pandemic play out like this before. Um, I mean, throughout- Not with this kind of technology. Like, no, <laughs> no. That's the thing is all this technology is helping and hurting at the same time. Yeah, yes. Um, I, but like, you know, we have, we always have the flu that goes around and people are kind of, uh, desensitized to it, which I think is really unfortunate because the flu kills a lot of people every year globally. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's always a pandemic, but people just kind of, you know, shrug it off. Um, but now that we've had, you know, a new pathogen that's been circulating that nobody's immune to, uh, and we've seen kind of how it can disrupt society to say the least and the damage that it can cause, I'm hoping that now people will have a bit more appreciation for just like how far we've really come in our understanding of the natural world around us and how we interact with it. And also how we're able to harness some power so that, you know, we aren't just going to die off every time this happens because, you know, these, these pandemics are going to continue to happen. That's kind of built into the system of the earth and of our species. So it's really nice to know that like we we can respond in this way where we can do it really quickly and we can potentially like 
make it something that is kind of uh, a memory, not a good one, but a memory. (laughs) 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 Instead of a instead of, you know, so many people uh, dying and like, we've already had more people die than we should have. But now with a vaccine rolling out, I think we're going to prevent way more, but we need people to go get vaccinated once it's actually on the, (laughs) on the list of options available. Yes. But before it comes, we are in for a, what they're calling a long, dark winter. Yeah. Um, and we talked about COVID fatigue last time we talked, and I'm going to definitely link that article up in the show notes because it's, you had a really funny way of comparing it to condom fatigue. <laughs> People need to really listen to that. But um, what is this long, dark winter that they're talking about? Why are we here? Why are we going to struggle yet again? And actually, right now, we're seeing numbers that far um, succeed what we were seeing in the spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do unfortunately think that we are in for long dark winter. Uh, the main thing being that, so again, not to compare it to the flu, but it is something that everybody knows and is, has experience with, you know, flu season doesn't actually ramp up uh, and hit its full stride until kind of late winter. And so we're, we're still in technically in like late fall. (laughs) We haven't even hit the winter yet. And one of the reasons why flu season does that is because, you know, people, people are inside, uh, when it gets colder Mm -hmm. and the more that we're driven inside, the more likely it is that you're just, you're going to pass something on to somebody, um, germ wise. And, and with COVID, you know, obviously there's been this huge push of like, well, if you're going to see people, make sure you do it outside. And right well, we've had some holidays and we had schools go back into session, which meant people were inside buildings and uh, in close proximity to each other. And we had, you know, restaurants open and bars open and people, people going about it as though it wasn't a problem. Um, But because of that, we are where we are right now. Um, And so we know that this can this situation is very tenuous and that it can very quickly spiral out of control um as far as you know if people people down their guard even for a moment mm-hmm. you know that can be the difference between being infected and not and with everybody being driven inside um and school starting up and you know restaurants and stuff opening up it it was one of those things that like we knew it was going to happen we needed to plan for it uh, and plan better for it and uh, we we just got to the point where it's like, well, everybody would probably be inside now because most places in the United States are cold. Um, and it's December 2nd, like I said. I mean, we have until, what, April is typically kind of the thaw when most places start to get a little bit warmer. Yeah. And people would be spending more time outside. Like, we have quite a few months that we have to go through until um, this might be and, and I mean, we don't, you know, there's not necessarily a seasonality component to it because the summer was not good. No, <laughs> it really wasn't. It no. didn't just disappear. Um, but when people are outside more, you know, it cuts down on the transmission. So right. if the weather is nice, people are going to be outside more. But the only thing that does make me feel better is, again, we will be seeing some vaccine probably delivered by the end of the month, um, first round 
to people. And then by April, May, it sounds like we might start to see vaccine delivered into just like the general public. Well, maybe by my birthday, which is in June. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I can maybe. finally go and do something in the public and <laughs> <laughs> can see more than like your small bubble of people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which my bubble has gotten even smaller because people were doing things I wasn't comfortable with. So that's yep. great. Yeah. You know, because like we talked about this in, I, I want to say the last episode where we're talking about pods, but we were talking about how your pod needs to be doing the same things you are. Well, you know, then I find out somebody in my pod's not. And then I'm like, well, I'm not comfortable with that. I have yep. certain things that I, certain risk le- risks I'm willing to take, which are very small. I do leave my house, but for essentials, I live in Connecticut. So there's a mask mandate. So I don't, I feel fine going out into like to the grocery store or something like right. that. But, you know, uh, Dr. Fauci said, and I know you're a fan of him too, um, <laughs> that, uh, the top three places you can get COVID are bars, restaurants, and gyms. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I don't go to any of those places unless I am doing um, pickup for food. And that's just quick in and out and grabbing my yep. food. But usually I do delivery anyway, so I don't even, I can just skip that part. Um, but yeah, like the, everybody, like you said, are now, instead of being able to be outside and hang out, and we had talked about last time that the second wave wasn't here. Second wave was going to be now when places like Connecticut that had pretty much flattened their curve are just right back up. <laughs> and we're seeing it and it's, it is rising so fast. So um, what was it? The end of August, beginning of September here in Connecticut, we had 86 people hospitalized. We're now up to like 1,086 people hospitalized. Like in just like a a few like short months it has like just blown up and this Mm -hmm. is this is scary and this is and and I don't know what can we do like during this time uh same stuff that I think I told you the first time we (laughs) talked which is just like (laughs) it's not satisfying right but it's just like the basics of public health which is just like wear a mask um practice social distancing as much as everybody hates it. It sucks, but it's effective. Um, and wash your hands. Like, I mean, I like very, very soon we will have another tool added to that toolbox and it'll be a really good one. It'll be a really, really good one. It's not going to be some like little Fisher price hammer or something like it's going to be a great (laughs) one. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited, but, uh, that's where we are at least for a while longer. And, like I said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but we have to continue to do those things because there are several places in the United States that are actively overwhelming their healthcare systems. Um, and it's, and it's just terrifying because I remember when, you know, in March, basically when New York city got hit so hard, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people looked at those images and internalized them and got really scared about it. Um, now, we have that happening in multiple places. And I mean, you see stuff about it in the news, but I think that pandemic fatigue is set in really hard. Yeah. And I don't know that people have internalized what they're seeing the same way as they did, you know, back in March. And I mean, at this point, it's like, we're talking about March, which was this year. Um, Mm -hmm. But within, within not even a year, people are already so desensitized to kind of the death and morbidity of this pandemic that 
you know, places like North Dakota have the highest death rate in the world. And people are just kind of, you know, it, you, you hear about it, but it's not, it's, I I feel like there isn't quite the same somber tone Mm -hmm. that there was when, when what was going on in New York city was happening back in March. And it's, uh, you know, like the Midwest is being hit really hard. South Dakota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska. I mean, it's, (laughs) I, there have been, Oh, oh yeah. I mean, basically the Midwest itself has been hit really, really hard. I know uh, this is not the Midwest, but uh, El Paso, Texas also had to have refrigerated trucks. Yep. The refrigerated trucks have not gone away. They're all over the country. Yep. And that's, that's a really scary sight and image and thought. Um, It's something that I think I'm surprised at how quickly people became desensitized to it. Um, Or just that, you know, it was like, well, I don't want to think about that anymore. So I'll just ignore it. And I mean, I get that because I don't, I don't really like thinking about it either. Um, But it is, I think, extra motivation at the very least to like, well, I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to, I haven't seen my friends, but you know what? (laughs) I'll see them hopefully in 2021 because there's a vaccine that's coming out. So (laughs) hopefully we'll see each other next year. (laughs) I'm just baffled by the the complete blatant disregard for COVID and the selfishness that is going on because I saw a meme on Facebook and um, if I can, I'll probably, I'll I'll link the post because the the post is not my post. Um, I shared it from somebody else and that's... um, that's public. I'm, I'm not about to share my own post. <laughs> Y'all are not about to stalk me on Facebook. Um, but it was, it showed this bubble and it says, this is the bubble you think you have. And it's you with a couple people, but then each yeah. one of those people had bubbles coming out of them. So sexual instead, networks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to study this <laughs> sexual network. So instead of like, we talked about this last time. So instead of just like, I think that I have like my husband and I have my one friend I hang out with and you know, my kids go to school, but they're wearing masks and stuff. So they're not without masks. Um, and thank God their school's following the protocols and we've had no outbreaks, knock on wood. Um, but what if my husband goes to work? What about the people he works with? My friend, yep. she might hang out with other people, like another person. Okay. Yep. Well, if that person hangs out with another person and now this circle that I thought that I had gets bigger and bigger and bigger and now my risk, instead of being like super low, has now gone up to maybe like low to moderate. And in that, that freaks me out because that's a lot of trust to put in so many people just to be safe. Like mm-hmm. I'm trusting that the people that my husband works with are doing the right things and are not, they wear masks at work, but I mean, we, we know masks are effective, but they're not hundred percent effective. If you're within right. like six feet of somebody for a long period of time, even if you're both masked up, there's still a chance you could get COVID. Mm-hmm. So we're trusting that these people are doing the right things. Then I'm trusting that my friend and whoever she hangs out with are doing the right things. It's just, it's so, there's so much anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> And we're, go- we're, we're in the holiday season. I, I can't even say we're going into it because we just had Thanksgiving here in the United States. I know we have people all over the world listening. Um, but we're coming up on like Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa. What, what, like, 
what would you recommend to people besides just stay home? Cause we know people aren't going to listen. <laughs> I would hope that all my listeners are going to listen to that, but they may not. What would be the best way to go about gathering with a few close family members? Um, so I officially can't recommend it, but oh, okay. <laughs> um, if you're, if you're going to do it, um, the best way to do it is to quarantine solidly for at least 10 days beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, get tested if you can. <laughs> um, and then after do after like doing the family get together or whatever quarantine again and get tested. Um, what I will say is if you do the math on that, basically you're going to be quarantining for over a month. Yeah. Like at least three solid weeks, um, for roughly one day of, you know, normality. Um, and you know, thinking about the numbers that way, honestly, like that's (laughs) everybody's feeling it. And I have a lot of sympathy for how people are feeling right now. It really, really sucks, especially because we are in the holiday season and just like this year has been terrible, man. (laughs) This year has been awful. Uh, And so like the last thing that people want to do is, is not, you know, be around the people that they love, but it's just like, it's one of those things of, uh, I was listening to, uh, President-elect Biden's COVID czar. Uh, he gave an interview <laughs> like a week czar. ago. Yeah. <laughs> he gave an interview like a week ago and he was talking about how having a happy Thanksgiving will equate to a very sad Christmas. And oh. I, it's, it's true. Yeah. Like it hit, it hit me like that too. Like it hits real hard and it's not, it's not something great to think about. But like I said, that light at the end of the tunnel that you see is not a mirage. Um, you actually see it. That's the end of the tunnel. We can get there and like, let's try to get there with as few deaths as possible. Right. Um, that was always the goal. And like, we got to just make sure that we keep our eyes on that goal during this time, because it's going to get like, everybody's really antsy. People were antsy back in August when you and I talked and it's now yeah. December. Like mm-hmm. I know, I'm Nancy and I study this stuff. So like, we've been doing this like every four months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this stuff, you know, I'm, I'm super antsy and like, this is the stuff that I do for a living. And like, I, you know, I pull really long days and like, this is my life right now. And so, you know, even if I could, I, or like, even if I wasn't, you know, not seeing people, like even if I could see people, I don't know that I would be because like, right. I'm really busy, but like, I feel it. I feel mm-hmm how isolating it is and how much it just truly, truly sucks. And the impact that it's had on people's mental health and well-being, it's not something to poo-poo and just kind of throw away. Um, People are hurting and it's Mm -hmm. really, really bad. We're in a bad place, but um, we could be in a worse place. Like (laughs) it's honestly the difference. It's, you know, the choice is, the choice is not like, well, I can just get away with it and I'll get away with it uh, and things will be fine. The choice is I do this thing and things are not fine Uh, or you don't do that thing and things are fine. (laughs) Um, I mean, the choice is literally like, let's just, let's try to make sure that we can uh, take care of as many people as possible right now. And we've already lost a quarter of a million people. A lot of people, that's a lot of people. 
Um, and there'll be a lot more before the vaccine comes. I mean, we yeah. t- just talked about the holidays. People aren't going to stay home and they're not going to be careful when they do leave home, right? They're not going to be the ones that are like, I'm going to self-isolate before I go. And then I'll self-isolate when I get back. People are going to be going and they're going to be coming back and they're going to be going all over the place and spreading this all over. And the thing is, is we have a lot of selfish people in the United States that are like, well, I'm not scared of it. I'm not a sheep, which I don't, anyways, you are because you're listening to uh, soul select few people about this whole thing, but whatever. I'm not scared of it. I'm not a sheep. I'm, I'll be fine. I'm healthy. I'm young. But what about the people that your decisions impact? Because like I just explained, I just explained my own situation and how other people could impact my life, right? Somebody at my, my husband's work don't, doesn't follow the rules that they're under, you know, um, comes in is working with him very close for like several hours, possibly maybe something needs to be worked on and they got COVID and somehow my husband does, even though they're masked up because it's not hundred percent effective. Then that brings it back to my house. Right. Or that friend I was talking about, if her friend isn't doing the things, gets COVID, gives it to her, can give it to me. Like there's so many moving pieces and people have to realize is just because you're healthy and you're young and you think you'll be fine. Doesn't mean that your, your choices won't impact other people. Yes. I mean, the, the chain reactions are something that are really hard to really wrap your mind around. Um, I think it's, it's really hard to even, you know, the exercise of thinking about like, well, I only see this person and this person and this person. Those are all the people that I see, but going beyond that of like, okay, well, but for a moment, like how many people do they see? Do they each see three people? Because all like, and, and just kind of doing that kind of math can be really taxing and, and honestly, just like, it's so daunting. And so it's just a lot. And, you know, it's much easier to just kind of go about business the way that we're used to uh, and the way that we're honestly built for, you know, like we've evolved to be social creatures for a reason. Like we survive better in groups um, which is, which is always true, except in a pandemic when we don't, stay at home. Yeah. Then we don't survive better in groups. Um, but like, you know, we will get back to being able to be together in groups. Like we'll, you know, we'll be able to go to concerts and stuff again. It's just like, please don't do it right now. I just want to go to a winery. I really do. Every time I see my favorite winery here post and I'm like, oh, I really want to go. But then I'm like, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> like even outdoors, that's a very bad idea. Curbside <laughs> pickup. Curbside yes. pickup. <laughs> I have been enjoying the wine at home. I've definitely been doing that. Um, so we talked about masks several times and I don't think we talked about this last time. For all the mask holes out there, can you explain how masks work? Because I literally get a headache just trying to explain to these people that A, it actually does help and how it helps. B, you're not going to inhale your own carbon dioxide or whatever and freaking die from (laughs) that. It's not depressing your immune system. Please tell us how masks work. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the simple concept is, you know, we're dealing with a respiratory virus, which means it's passed through droplets, uh, and those droplets come from your nose and your mouth. That is where it comes from. 
And so by virtue of covering those things up, <laughs> uh, you are expelling less of those droplets out into the world. And by expelling fewer of them and containing them closer to you, um, you know, you're the, the odds of you infecting somebody or somebody else infecting you are way lower. Um, my favorite explanation, which is showing my millennial side, but like my favorite explanation for masks is the whole, is the whole, uh, like if you pee, like if a person were to pee themselves, I personally would prefer that they were wearing pants while they did it because then I'm not going to get peed on. They're going to get peed on, but at least it's staying with them <laughs> and I can just, you know, give them a nice wide berth. And I don't have to deal with it. Uh, so like, I would just prefer that if people are just going to be peeing out in public, that they're wearing pants. Uh, and honestly, I would prefer that they were wearing underwear and pants because the more layers of fabric between like me and that, the better. Uh, and it's kind of the same way with masks of just like, you know what, if you think about it, you know, if you have your nose out, it's kind of like having your genitals out. Oh my God. I hate <laughs> seeing the ones with the nose out. I'm just like, you're defeating the whole purpose and your mask <laughs> is to protect me. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it also, it also protects them. Like it helps, right. it helps to cut down on their, on their risk as well. And so, I mean, at a very basic level, it's just, it's that simple. It's that simple. Like just cover up your face and your, your nose and your mouth and you cut down your risk of catching it and also if you are asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic and you are still contagious you severely cut down on the likelihood that you're going to pass it on to somebody yes below the chin over the nose yep all of don't, it needs to be covered up and don't touch it <laughs> don't touch it don't touch it actually what i taught my kids is you wear it then when you get into the car you sanitize your hands before you grab it you take it off by its loops because we have the yep. ones that loop behind our ears Yep. Put it down and then you sanitize your hands again before you touch anything else. Yeah, that's and, good practice. And so my kids got a down pack, so adults need to get a down pack too. We have <laughs> uh, sanitizer in all of our vehicles. We have everything ready to go. They have sanitizer in their book bags, <laughs> sanitizer everywhere. So will it depress our immune system? No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, full stop. There's, I, you know... The internet has been really, um, we'll just call it fun this year and yes. the complete nonsense that's been, <laughs> that's been circulating. I mean, honestly, my favorite is the MDs that, that experienced like five minutes of fame who were claiming that like if you were inside of your house in quarantine, it was somehow going to depress your immune system because apparently everybody in the world lives in hermetically sealed bubbles and <laughs> that, have, that are sterile. <laughs> And just no bacteria, no, no like no nothing uh, in your houses, which like, I don't know about your house, but like <laughs> my house is not very clean. I don't even need to a microscope to see that there are all kinds of There's dust there. all up in the There's house. all kinds of stuff in here. Like my immune system is just fine and is constantly being <laughs> challenged. So no, you being in your house is not challenging your immune system. You know what challenges your immune system? A new virus that you have absolutely no immunity to. That challenges your immune system and depresses it. So... <laughs> Yeah, it does not depress your immune system. Uh, wearing a mask, that's absurd and it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Uh, that's not what does it. So unless you're sitting inside with no sunlight, breathing recycled air, 
you know, and sanitizing every surface in your house every day, day in and day out, you're going to be fine. <laughs> There's bacteria. <laughs> Even then, like they're, they're just, they're bacteria. It's all, like, unless you live in an OR in an operating room, there's basically right. no way. And even then, I mean, it's, it's just like, it's absurd. There there's microbes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I know my kids are dirty and germy children. I, I mean, they'll play outside and then they'll come in and then they'll eat and don't watch their hands. And I'm just like, Thank God you didn't come in contact with anybody while you were outside. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm sure their immune systems are quite strong. Uh, I read an article one time that said, uh, actually, don't tell, unless your kid is literally shoveling handfuls of dirt in their mouth, don't worry about if they stick their dirty hands in their mouth after playing in the dirt, because it actually helps build their immune system, according to the article. So, um, but uh, Katie, before we wrap up, uh, what are some things you want people to know that we haven't talked about? We talked about a vaccine, which I'm excited about, you're excited about, everybody should be excited about, how to be safe during the holidays, which optimally would be to stay home, um, but otherwise quarantine. Uh, you know, all of those things, mask holds. Um, <laughs> what, is, what are the things that you would still like to leave people with? Uh, this is, this is going to sound like not a public health message, but it absolutely is. Um, be skeptical of what you consume on the internet. Yes. And that, as I mentioned earlier, has been particularly nasty this year. And with vaccines coming out, there's already, I mean, there was at the very beginning of this when there was chatter amongst public health professionals about a vaccine. But now that we actually have vaccine candidates that are probably going to be rolling out in a matter of weeks, there's going to be all kinds of fake stuff um, and fear mongering and people just flat out lying about what's going on. Um, So just be very skeptical about what you consume and be discerning about where you get your information from. Uh, And again, asking questions I think is always really good. Just make sure that you're asking them in good faith and it isn't just a trying to play gotcha moment. Um, And in general, you know, uh, like I said, just be be skeptical about where you're getting your information from. We're we're in a really kind of pivotal moment during this during this pandemic, and I mean the internet could make or break us in some ways. Um, I think it's already because broken us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and everybody's inside, so like everybody's on the internet. <laughs> um, so I mean, I think the internet's like a great thing, but also man, does it seem to exacerbate our worst tendencies. So just be real careful about what you're reading on the internet and what you, what you believe. <laughs> uh, and if you've got questions, make sure you ask somebody that is qualified to answer your questions. Yes, join Katie's uh, Facebook group. That's a great <laughs> place to start. You can um, join our Facebook group. It will be up uh, through when the general public gets a vaccine and then I will be off of the internet forever. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. We were talking about misinformation and false information. I think we saw that through like through the election and everything, like pretty much this entire year where you're just like, people slept through that portion of English class where they, they tell you what is a reliable source. Um, because I'm like, nah, like that article you're sharing from this random news site 
with no citations of where this information is coming from is not an accurate source. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, it's also, you know, people, the people who are actually creating this fake content and spreading lies, um, I think most people are trying to act in good faith. Like they don't act, most people don't actively want to be spreading quote unquote fake, fake news or lies. Right. Most people don't. But the people that create this stuff, um, they really like, they know what they're doing. It's actually kind of ingenious, but in a really sinister way, really pessimistic way. Uh, and so they really kind of go for the jugular as far as like, if it, if, uh, well, if it bleeds, it leads, but also like if it makes you feel a really negative, powerful emotion, that is going to get more people to share it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And like, it almost, it almost doesn't matter if it's true most of the time. And actually most of the time, it doesn't matter if it's true. <laughs> um, and that's, and I mean, that's really where, where people need to take another second before smashing the share button and just ask themselves like, okay, why, why do I feel I need to share this? And what do I actually know about it? How do I know this? Mm -hmm. uh, what are they claiming? Do they have evidence for those claims? Or is it just, they said something that made me really angry and I want everybody to know that I'm really angry. Um, which like, I get that sentiment. I feel that real hard. That's like, <laughs> that's like most days I want people to know that I'm angry, but just in general, it's not great online practice and not, and not like a good way to be an online citizen at this point. Um, just, you know, wanting people to know your every thought and emotion is not a great way to conduct yourself online. And I think in general, that's how people should be trying to think about it and uh, consuming their information is just, okay, why are you reacting this way to it? What right. do you actually know about it? Where did it come from? Is there evidence? Those kinds of questions are really, really good to ask. Um, and even stopping to think about it for 30 seconds longer, like just making yourself stop before you actually hit that share button. Mm. Just to think about it for an additional 30 seconds, I think could be quite game changing for a lot of what is going on. <laughs> or do what I do, which is I save it because on Facebook, you can save a post and oh, I save okay. it and I let it sit in my saved and then I'll revisit the next day. And sometimes mm. I decide, nah, I'm not going to share that. And the other oh, times totally. I'm like, no, absolutely. I'm sorry. I have like 24 hours to like sit on it and, and decide. And, and there are plenty that I, I unsave and I'm like, no, I'm not sharing that. Not so much because it's misinformation, but I'm like, no, I don't want to put that on the world. Um, but then there's others that I'm like, no, I'm going to share it. I've decided that 24 hour quarantine of this post is good. Oh, really good. No. That's really good. That's kind of, yeah, maybe like treat it like you would a really angry email before you send it off to at work. Don't send it like sleep on it. Sleep on it <laughs> before you send it off in anger. Sleep on it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I also am going to link up in the show notes um, a podcast I listened to uh, by Crooked Media. It is a coronavirus podcast. Um, American Dissected. Yeah, American Dissected. That's it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed. Yeah. He's also an epidemiologist in Michigan. <laughs> yes. So I um, listened to that and it's great and it's short, um, but he always has like really good information and has experts on that he talks to. And that's where I learned about the MRNA from mm -hmm. was from that podcast. So I'm yep. definitely going to link it up for everybody, but Katie, thank you so much for coming on again. 
Um, every time I'm like, I hope I don't have to ask you to come on again, but who knows <laughs> where, where we'll be in four months. <laughs> I hope it's in a much better spot, but you know, hey, you know, thanks for having me on. Um, I always enjoy coming on, so I appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.